got a word for somebody tonight. If we can shout because he did it, you got to remember if he did it once, he can do it again. So if you got a he did it, praise the you ought to double it up tonight uh, and shout uh, because he's going to do it uh, again. Uh, he's going to bring you out again. Uh, he's going to make a way again. Uh, he's going to give you miracles again. Uh, somebody lift your voice uh, and shout right now. in this place hallelujah anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday night amen you can be seated for just a few moments amen we want to take just a moment and tell all of our guests what that's what I'm saying hallelujah somebody said I'm trying to settle down but when I think of the goodness uh, go ahead sis give him praise Hallelujah. I can't help it, Sister Ellison. Uh, he's been too good to me. I said I can't help myself. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, go ahead. 
and might as well take another 60 seconds. Go ahead, Brother Keith, give God the glory. Go ahead, Brother Desmond. If you only knew why I was shouting. If you only knew why I was giving God the praise. Some of y'all got to learn how to get undignified when you give God the praise. Some of us got to get a King David praise in our spirit. Uh, I don't care what I look like. Uh, I'm not trying to impress anybody, uh, but I'm going to give God the praise. Uh, one, two, uh, one, two, three, go. Help me out. 
instead of battling a ray tonight, uh, you might as well tip it over. Uh, you might as well push it over tonight. Uh, you might as well go all the way tonight. Yeah. Woo! Give him another shout of praise in this house. crazy on a Sunday night. Somebody said, you acting like you lost your mind. I did. Bible says that the carnal mind is the enemy of God. When I got the Holy Ghost, I lost my mind and I got God's mind in my Shout one more time like you lost your mind tonight. Shout like you lost your carnal mind. Yes! In case y'all don't know what that is, that's Brother Booker running laps right there. You see him going like this? That's Brother Booker running. Somebody ought to run a lap with him right now. Somebody ought to just go ahead and run a lap with him right now. Yes! Yes! Go ahead, Brother Stewart. He just had a hip replacement this week. And he's running the aisles. I don't know what your problem is, baby. You got two good legs and good feet. You ought to take them and give God the praise right now. Come on, somebody give him praise.
praise. If I got a limp, I'm gonna give him praise. If I gotta hold on to somebody, I'm gonna give God the praise. Them old timers would start singing songs like, you don't know, like I know what the Lord has done for me. Anybody feel that way right now? Give them a hand clap of praise. Let's try it. Let's try it again. Y'all can be seated tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mm. Glory, glory, glory. Mm, yeah, ooh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> trying to be quiet I'm trying to be still tonight
feel the glory of God in this Let's try it a third time. Y'all can be seated. Let's try it a third time. Hallelujah. Or you can stand if you want to. I don't care. You can keep running the aisles if you want to. I don't care. You can keep on dancing if you want to. I don't care. You can do the two-step, the one-two-see, the running man, the funky chicken, the electric slide. I don't care. How many of you are blessed by the ministry of Bishop Booker this morning? Come on, did God touch you in a mighty way this morning? Amen. Sit down if you can. Amen. This morning when he finished preaching, we baptized two more people in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. We ought to give God a praise for that. One of them came out of the water speaking in tongues as God filled her with the Holy Ghost this morning. Come on, that's something to shout over right there. Insert shout right there. Amen. What a privilege it is to have all of our guests in the house of the Lord tonight. Would you help me put your hands together one more time? Welcome, everybody, to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We acknowledge this morning so good to have the Fowler family with us all the way from Colorado this morning. Came in early for impact and so grateful to have them in the house of the Lord. And then uh, so good to have uh, brother and sister Condor in the house of the Lord with us and their precious family. And then tonight I looked up and saw some of Sister Condor's cousins are here with us. They've been here before, but we're glad to have them back in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Amen. Their names evaded my mind just now. Charge that to my head and not my heart. Amen. I'm over 40 years old, so I get a, I get a senior moment once a month. That was my senior moment. Forgive me. But we're, we are so delighted to have them back in the house of the Lord with us tonight. And uh, we are so thankful for all that the Lord is doing. This morning I mentioned that Bishop Booker, uh, along with being a powerfully used preacher of the gospel, is a dynamic author who has authored several books. And uh, every one of these books uh, have been books that have deeply impacted me when I've read them. And uh, as a matter of fact, we have used at least one of them as a uh, construct for some teaching and in our book club that, that, that First Lady uh, does such an amazing job with. And uh, amen. Y'all are just saying what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> she still makes my knees freeze, my liver quiver, and my bladder splatter. My God. But um, we, we have a very unique opportunity for you tonight. Um, as someone who travels frequently preaching, I understand the complexities and difficulties of hauling around extra stuff everywhere. And such is the case with books. It's very difficult to travel with extra luggage and boxes. And, uh, but we want to give everybody a unique opportunity tonight to be able to get copies of Bishop Booker's 
books that are personally autographed for you with your name inside of them. Amen. And so here's what we're going to do. There's, there's four books that, that he would like to make available uh, at a special price to you tonight. And uh, these are some, some incredible, incredible books. Um, he has a two-book series, The Book of David, uh, Part 1 and Part 2. These are basically a novel-type approach of writing concerning the life of David. And he does such an incredible job of lifting the Word of God concerning David's life and, and writing it in a way uh, that makes you feel like you're right there next to David as he experiences life and, and brings to life so many of the things that we read about in Scripture concerning uh, King David, part one, part two. Uh, these are some amazing books that will be made available to you. Uh, then there is a, uh, a book called The Journey of a Lifetime. How many of you just even hearing a few moments, minutes of his testimony we're blessed by that this morning. When I tell you Bishop Booker has literally one of the most incredible testimonies I have ever heard in my entire life, it is absolutely astonishing. And uh, reading his testimony is better than reading a John Grisham thriller. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is amazing. And his book, A Journey of a Lifetime, is Bishop Booker putting into a story form a good part of his testimony, chronicling some of the stuff he talked about even this morning. And uh, one thing that's, that's so cool uh, with me is when I look at the cover, there's a picture of Bishop Booker when he was a, a teenager with a whole group of his friends. And they, they literally blocked traffic on one of the main thoroughfares of Pueblo, Pueblo Boulevard, stopped all the traffic, and they sprawled out across the road to take a picture. I know exactly, exactly where that is. And when I read the book, he references so many landmarks and places uh, that I'm familiar with. I'm going to tell you an awesome testimony about this book. Uh, there was a gentleman in Pueblo, Colorado that didn't know anything about truth, didn't know anything about the church. And one day, he was walking through Barnes & Noble, and this book happened to be featured at Barnes & Noble. Let me thank God for apostolic authors who are impacting the world. And this gentleman looked down, and he saw the book, and he walked, and all of a sudden, something stopped him in his tracks. And he backed up, and he looked again, and he said, oh, my goodness, that's Larry Booker. I went to school with Larry Booker. And he snatched the book and started flipping through the book. And if I have the story straight, Bishop Booker, he went to the clerk and said, i got to buy this book. And he took it home and he sat down. He's not really a guy who reads books per se, but he definitely had not heard of or anything from Bishop Booker, for, I think probably since high school, right? Many, 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 many years. And, and he began to flip through Bishop Booker's testimony. And, and he started reading and, and the story began to, to, I think he read it in one sitting. I think it was something like he started reading and he just, he could not put the book down. And, and when, he, when he got through uh, part of the book, 
he went to work the next day. I'm trying to remember the story right. He went to work the next day, and, and he was working with a client, and this book was on his heart, and he started saying, you know what? Man, I got a hold of this book from a guy that I used to go to school with, and, and uh, man, you just, this book is incredible that I'm reading. And he said, a guy named Larry Booker, and the, the client said, Larry Booker, did you say Larry Booker? He said, yeah, Larry Booker. He said, oh, I know Larry Booker. He said, what? He said, oh, yeah, Larry Booker comes to preach at our church all the time. He said, you got to be kidding me. He said, I've got to talk to Larry Booker. Please, can somebody put me in touch with Larry Booker? And so through a series of conversations, he contacted our church, and we got him in touch with Bishop Booker, his high school friend. Bishop Booker can tell more of the story later or fix it if I get it wrong. But he started, just, how have you been? My goodness, I can't believe I got, he told him how he got the book. And he was reading the book. And they got to talking about what God had done. And he said, he said, I got a question to ask you. He said, there's a part of this book that when I was reading it, when I got to this part of the story, he said, something grabbed a hold of me at my house. I don't understand it. Can you explain to me? Bishop Booker said, well, yeah, well, what, what part? He said, well, do you happen to have the book with you? Is that right? Did you have the book with you? I think you, he said, yeah, let me go, let me go find it. And he, he dug up the book. He said, go to page such and such. And so Bishop Booker turned the page, trying to think of what part of the book. And he said, right here on this page. Yeah, 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 right there, middle of here. He said, yeah. He said, right there, that, that, that part right there, that something about Acts 2.38, that when I read that, right, this is a man that don't know nothing about the Bible. He said, when I read that right there, something, God, am I doing a good job selling your book? <laughs> he said, something got a hold of me. And Bishop Booker began to preach the gospel to him right over the phone and began to testify about the goodness. I think it was that week uh, he came to the house of God. Uh, he was baptized in Jesus' name, uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, his wife came in, uh, was baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, Brother Roki is his name. So I'm just telling you, there's a special anointing and a touch on journey of a lifetime. If you walk into my office right now, I've got an autographed copy of this in a, in a glass case uh, displayed uh, in my office. So uh, this is another incredible book that you want to get. And then he has a fourth book. Uh, and I, I love, 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 love this book called What a Difference a Line Can Make. This is prescribed reading for our new converts here at the church. It's a book that we hire. We keep this along with uh, most of these other books, uh, a small level of stock at all times in our bookstore. But Bishop Booker does such an amazing job in this book, preaching about the revelation of borders and lines in our life and how powerful they are to us. I mentioned this morning, before there was a book, there was a sermon that Bishop Booker, I don't know if he preaches it anymore, but he preached a message. I don't know, maybe he'll preach it tonight, but he preached what a difference a line can make. And the first time he preached it on a national platform, 1996, Prayer, Strength, and Renewal Conference in Fresno, California. I was a 19-year-old young preacher that had been married a year to a hot mama. And it was our first out-of-state trip together as a married couple. We went to conference. 
And, uh, and that week, Bishop Booker preached what a difference a life can make. And that revelation has, has been in my spirit all these years. And so I, I can't tell you how much this book has meant to me. And uh, all of these books are just absolute treasures. Absolute treasures. There's no way you could even put a value on, on what these books uh, would be worth. The experience of his life. Uh, the time and, and prayerfulness that went into writing each of these books that is evident in the fruit that they have produced. And uh, so they're going to be available for you to, to order tonight, but you'll be able to order them uh, in a way that they will come to you personally autographed with your name from Bishop Booker. And so what we're going to do is if you'll go out to the, uh, the table with the conference shirts tonight, uh, you can do two things, uh, kill two birds with one stone. You can pick up your undefeated shirt, and while you're at the, amen. And while you're at the table, uh, Sister Sloss will have an order form, and all of these books uh, will be sitting there so that you can remember the titles. And you can uh, pick which books that you want to buy, put your name down the way that you want it autographed, and Bishop Booker has been so kind uh, he's going to take that order sheet back with him to his office. His staff will prepare all of the books uh, with the names, and, and then he will personally autograph each one of these books for you. And I promise you these are, these are treasures to have in your library. Amen? And, uh, and so you, you need to do that at least. In the meantime, while you're waiting on the book, if you just can't wait, uh, order the book anyway. Buy it for your life. There's something about having a tangible book, Bishop. I like reading on screens, and I do that, but I love having the actual book. Something about it. So buy your book, but then you can go to Audible, uh, if you're not an Audible subscriber, and you can get the audio book on some of these titles. All of these titles, uh, there is an audio book version that you can begin listening to as well. Uh, while you're waiting on your books to arrive. Amen. So we want to make that available to you tonight and uh, make sure uh, that you get to that table after the service and avail yourself of these treasures. Amen. Would you put your hands together one more time? Thank God for the apostolic pen of Bishop Booker. As we stand all over this house and prepare for the entrance of God's word this morning, uh, I, I did my best to to communicate to this church just how much that Bishop Booker's ministry uh, and his life has meant to me. And in uh, my transition from a, a very young man uh, into uh, adulthood and into God's seasons of ministry in my life, Bishop Book has been such a source of strength. And every time, every time that I have been with him, around him, that I have been privileged to spend time with him. His character uh, has just, there's something that has emanated from him that has just enriched my life. I believe just him being with us tonight, if he didn't preach a single word, brings a level of elevation to this house. And we are so privileged, Bishop, to have you with us tonight. We want you to come and follow the Holy Ghost. We're with you, whatever God has directed you to do. Would you help me give a great big applause and show Bishop Booker some Rock Church love as he comes to deliver the word of the Lord to us tonight. Praise the Lord, everybody. 
Let's love him. He's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your beautiful presence. Thank you for being our friend, God, touching us, leading us, guiding us, and keeping us. Can you say amen? Uh, you may be seated. I want to say it's, uh, again, a real honor to be here. That's not just verbiage. It's, it's real. Appreciate all of the very kind remarks that your pastor made. That's very kind of him. And uh, I've learned this that kind remarks are to be handled like bubblegum. Enjoy it, but don't swallow it. Praise God. <laughs> and um, I had a friend of mine, he's passed on. Name was Brother J.T. Pugh. He was young and preaching some camp meetings. And God really blessed him. God was using him. And he was walking across the campground. People had been patting him on the back and giving him accolades. And he said, I was rather enjoying it. And said, while I was walking across the campground during the daytime, the Lord spoke to me and said, what if these people knew you like I do? He quit his strut, and he walked humbly ever after. <laughs> and uh, so that's just the way it is. Praise God. And I, if you get the books, I trust and pray you'll enjoy them. We will sign your name, sign mine, pay a little something to you. And that's, I've got a deal worked out with every McDonald's franchise in every Walmart throughout the world. It took a long time to get it set up. But if you'll take one of my books in there, if it is signed, whatever you buy, if you pay him the money that you owe him, you can leave, praise God. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful deal. It's really awesome. <laughs> that's, that's how much my signature's worth. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, so happy, 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 happy to be here. We are going to, uh, let's stand. We're going to go to First Chronicles chapter number 29. First Chronicles chapter number 29. We're going to begin reading at verse number 26. We love your pastor. We love the Condrens, the Pueblo people. I will tell you, this, this happened. This is, this is terrific. I was in, the, my wife and I were in the Nashville airport and uh, waiting for a plane. And uh, here came a, a young couple walking and they stopped and they, they saw me. You could tell they were Pentecostals and uh, and they walked over and they said, are you, are you Larry Booker? And I said, yes, yes. This, this is just so odd. They said, we can't believe this. You don't, do you know what we're about to do? I said, no, oh, really? And he slipped off his backpack, 
he reached in and he brought out that book, Journey of a Lifetime. He said, we are right now flying into Colorado. We're taking this book and we're going on a Larry Booker tour. We're going to every place that you speak of that we can find. I said, surely you're going to do more than that. They go, oh yeah, we got some other stuff. <laughs> but that touched me very, very, that was trippy. I said, I never had that happen. Anyway, here we go. I hope, I hope they got their money back from the flights, all I can tell you. All right. We're happy to be here. Good to feel Jesus. First Chronicles 29, beginning with verse 26. Thus David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. The time that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years reigned he in Hebron. Thirty and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. And he died in a good old age. Full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon his son reigned in his stead. Now the acts of David the king, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of Samuel the seer, and in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the book of Gad the seer. And those combined books constitute what we call 1st and 2nd Samuel. With all his reign and his might and the times that went over him and over Israel and over all the kingdoms of the countries. Let's ask that God would visit us in a special way. I really believe, I really believe to visit us in a very special way through his word and spirit. Lord Jesus, Lord God, you see every heart that is here. You've seen us from the foundation of the world. And Jesus, you've brought us here together. And we're asking that your word have free course that we open our hearts and minds and souls and spirit to you to allow you to minister in every way that you desire to every single one of us. We commit our lives, our futures, God, our eternity to you, Jesus. Anoint us and help us all. Amen. Amen. God bless you so very, very much. You may certainly be seated. Now, my following remarks, I'm, I promise you, they really, they are not uh, a plug for the books that are written about David. And um, um, I came here feeling that I would preach this message a couple of days ago. I began to feel it. I, um, I did not know that your pastor was going to be presenting the books, but he did. God bless him. 
But I did write two books about David. And uh, they follow the conscript of first and then second Samuel. The first book of David covers the first portion of David's life up until the time he becomes king over all Israel and takes Jerusalem. And then the second book of David is from there to the end of his life. I wrote those books from the perspective of how other people saw him. There's only one or two places in there where we actually get inside of David's head. After that, aside from that, it's, it's other people and their dealings with him. And uh, so there are several perspectives. We have some thoughts from King Saul towards him. We have a lot of thoughts from Michael or Michal, his wife. Amen, the first wife and daughter of King Saul. We have from the prophet Nathan, Bathsheba, her grandfather Ahithophel, Abishai, Joab, Solomon, others, others, many others. Amen. And uh, David is one of the most fascinating characters in the Bible, except for Jesus Christ. There is more written about David than any other figure in the Bible. It's an amazing thing. He is the only man, and we know that Daniel was referred to as, oh, thou man greatly beloved. But David gets a higher accolade than that in that the Bible says of David that he is a man after God's own heart. Uh, boy, that's a, that's a breath taker. And, and we, don't, we don't know why God said that. So whenever we find any clues, we need to pay close attention when there are not a lot of clues. David was very human. He was very human, and that's, that's very obvious from the course of his life. But he is, and I'm not dealing here with the Hebrew language. I've not done a study on my following remarks in light of that. But by, based on King James language, David is the first man in Scripture to actually tell God he loved him. He's the first one to tell God he loved him. I know others did. But Scripture reserves that for David. And he is also the first one, King James English, to say to God, this is a biggie. Thank you. Now Jacob gets very close. Jacob says, I'm not worthy of the mercy and the truth which thou hast shown me. And I believe that Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, on and on were all very thankful people. But again, the scripture reserves those comments from David. And so it means something to love him and to be thankful to him. I don't believe that constitutes an entirety making us people after his own heart, but it obviously you ain't going to be there without it. You're not going to be in that number without it. So throughout the scriptures that we have so much about David, that David was loved by individuals is without question, but that David was also very hated by individuals is also 
without question. Hiram, the king of Lebanon, the Bible says, was ever a lover of David. He loved that man. It was he that built his palace upon his becoming king of all Israel and, and taking Jebus and taking it back to the name of Jerusalem. And uh, he built him that palace. And when Solomon, his son, wanted to build the temple, he went to the same man, Hiram. And he was more than thrilled to be involved to provide the lumber, the much-needed lumber provided for that temple. We know that he was so loved that at one point there were three men out of his host of mighty men that they were in a hold, they were basically surrounded, and David is not giving commandments, he's not talking to anybody, but talking to himself. And all he says is somewhat, no doubt, of a sigh. Oh. He's thinking of his boyhood. He's thinking of his home. He's in a hold. He's in a haunt. He's running from Saul. Oh, for a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. That's all he says. And these three men look at each other. They work their way out of the encompassed army. I don't know if they fought their way through, snuck their way through, but they risked, they hazarded their lives. They go to Bethlehem, however near or far it was, we don't know. And they get water from the well of Bethlehem, a cup of water. They make their way back, and here is David. He turns, and they're presenting it to him. What is this? It's a cup of water from the well of Bethlehem. That's how much they loved him. And when he saw this, he said, this is your blood. You risked your lives. And he said, God, I'm pouring this out as a sacrifice He was loved. We know that Hushai the Archite, his friend, loved him deeply, very, very much. But whatever, it means something for God to love him. And can I tell you, he loves us tonight. But not everybody loved David. Not everybody liked David. In fact, there was a host of people that actually hated him to the point they sought to kill him. From the king that David loved, King Saul, the man that as but a youth was so tormented of demons, he was rebellious against God and the man of God, Samuel, and, and because of that, the Spirit of the Lord left him and a demon came to take the place of the presence of the Lord. You do not want that to happen. And, 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 and so he, he turns into a once humble man, contrite, into a, a beast, a screamer, a yeller, a, 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 a vivid, vile rebuker, a killer of over 80 priests, a man screaming at his wife, calling her 
throwing spears left and right, both at David and even his own son, Jonathan, and giving his wife, to-be wife, amen, Mirab, away to another man to hurt David, and then taking Michal, his wife, ripping him from her as he has to flee for his life, giving her to another man. Everything he could think of to cruelly put the, the sword into the marrow of, of David's joints and bones and twist the knife, he would do it. And there was a time in that condition when David would come, they sought him out and he would bring his harp and play the harp and the demons would flee and, and, and Saul would be refreshed. Would be refreshed. And uh, one day the harp lost its power. Not because of anything about David's life, but because of Saul's life. He began to envy him and his victory over Goliath and the adulation the people had for him. And he sought to kill him until the day he died. So there were folks that hated him. Again, Bathsheba's grandfather, Ahithophel, once his right-hand man and close, most brilliant, powerful advisor to the point, they said his, his words were as the oracles of God. So revered was Ahithophel, but he became a bitter, bitter enemy. His own son, Absalom, was raised up. Amen. I personally believe in the Jewish uh, thought is that Absalom nurtured him to become that truly vile rebel that he became to kill, try to kill his own father. So here's David with a host. All of Israel turns against him. He's misunderstood. He's lied about. He's hated. He's haunted. He's hunted. He's despised. He's betrayed. Now, I was talking to somebody the other day and and uh, we'd, we'd had a little uh, confrontation, not a confrontation, but it was a, it was a deal, an airport deal, and and um, but I was very very. I'm not. I, I mean, I can be an idiot too. But anyway, I was I was kind, and and he said when he got done, and he'd really helped me. He'd really helped me. He said, uh, "Thank you for being so patient." I said, "Well, I learned a long time ago." Amen. Friends come and go, but enemies accumulate. And I don't need another one, so thank you. And that's the way life works. And so enemies accumulated around David to the point, he said in what is called today now the 69th Psalm, verse 4 and 5, he said, They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. That's a lot of enemies. That's a lot of enemies. They that would destroy me being my enemies wrongfully are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. I tried to win back the favor for all the good it, it did him. So if you've got more enemies than you've got hairs on your head, amen, and he was young when he wrote that, he had a lot of it. And then if that wasn't enough to have 
outside forces trying to destroy him. He had worse problems than outside enemies. Because in chapter 40, verse 12 of Psalms, he said, For innumerable evils have compassed me about. And then he said, Mine iniquities, my iniquities have taken a hold upon me so that I'm not able to look up. They, that's my iniquities, are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. So he's got more outward enemies than the hairs on his head. And he said, in fact, I got more inward enemies than the hairs on my head. Amen. And if you've ever uh, made your way through life, sometimes, and it's funny, Brother Williams, uh, Pastor Joel Booker and I, we will be sitting there and, and, and like kind, beautiful people like yourself will get up and make a statement about us and, and saying, oh, Bishop Booker, everybody loves Bishop Booker. And me and Joel just look at each other and smile. Because we know there really are people that if I was on fire and they thought spitting on me would help me, they wouldn't do it. I'm not a paranoid, but even paranoids have enemies. Amen. And, uh, and so it's just that way. As you go through life and you try to do right, not everybody gets tickled. Sometimes people you don't even know get mad at you. And if you don't believe that, get a good case of the Holy Ghost. Good church, good church night. Be driving down the road, amen, driving, doing the speed limit, being nice, not cutting people off. And, and all of a sudden you look over and somebody's looking at you like they want to kill you. And it's like you're looking around and I'm not, but I've seen people with the most contorted looks on their faces and I realized there's a demon-possessed person right there. And their spirit recognizes my Holy Ghost. That happens. That happens. That happens. Now, I don't, I don't, we don't we're not scared of demon-possessed people. But I don't recommend you roll down your window and say, what are you looking at? Just, you know, just, just, just drive on. Just drive on. Pray for him. Hallelujah. So here's this man. Amen. More enemies than hairs on his head. Outwardly, more enemies than hairs on his head. Inwardly, but he's still a man after God's own heart. And so as we ooze into this, I want you to keep in mind that no matter what anybody thought about David, no matter what anybody said about David, no matter what anybody did or how many lies they told or it doesn't matter even how stupid he himself had been. Notice this about David. Notice, it's huge. He never quit praying. He never quit singing. He never quit writing his songs, thus giving his prophecies. He never quit loving God's word. He never quit loving the kingdom. And he might limp. He might limp. But he never quit serving God. 
He never quit trying. He never, he never gave up. So hence the title of what I'm going to preach tonight. Ain't nobody driving me out of the God business. No, 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 no. Nobody. It doesn't matter if it's a if it's thousands of enemies outwardly or thousands of enemies inwardly, nothing's going to drive me out of the God business. And that was David's outlook, and that must become our outlook. And that is an outlook of anybody that successfully lives for God. Some cases in point. I read of a man by the name of Job who has... Great possessions, thousands of asses, oxen, sheep, camels. He has sons, daughters, beautiful in the land. He's got prestige both on earth and in heaven. And one day as God's angels are round about worshiping, Amen. Slewfoot, the devil, makes his way. And God brings up Job. Where you been, Satan? Up and down, to and fro throughout the earth. God could have finished it. Simon Peter finished it, seeking whom he may devour. But there he is. And God said, well, well, in your journeys, have you considered Job? What do you think about my boy Job? And he does the slow burn. Because you see, one time, Lucifer would have been in that host that was worshiping God. At one time, he was in that host. When God made this innumerable company of angels, Amen. There are three archangels, Michael, that we have names of, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. It seems to indicate that Lucifer possibly was maybe what we'd call the choir leader. Amen. Every precious stone was his covering, and, 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 and he was the perfection of beauty, and he was a pretty wise guy, and, 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 and all of this. And one day he got to thinking, you know, I'm not exactly chump change. And he began to Go and talk to one and then another. And you like these stones? Yeah, pretty impressive. Talking. And after a while, that angel says, Boy, you're pretty, pretty sharp. You ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. You stick with me and we're going to be all right. Ooh, he paid attention to me. And God could have snapped his finger and put him in the pit instantly. But if you wonder where time began, and I don't know this, but I have a little thought that they were all dealing in the eternal. But somewhere this thing called the clock, time, started ticking. And I wonder when the clock started ticking was the first time that he began to say, I will be like the Most High. Tick, 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 tock, tick, tock, tick, tock. Your days are numbered, dude. 
And he could have just snapped his finger and got rid of him. But he allowed him to walk around and go do his wiles until all the angels have been tried. And their worship was great. Their worship was awesome. Amen. The Bible lets us know in the book of Job. Job tells us things about creation that Genesis does not. Gives us some fill-in. How that when God made the earth, the sun, moon, and the stars, the angels were on hand to clap for joy. So they were here first, but the Bible says without him was not anything made which was made. And he spoke them into existence as well. And when they, these beings came into existence, they were all holy and they saw God and whatever they saw was whatever God chose to reveal to them. And they see him and it's, no doubt the first words out of their mouth, holy, holy, holy. was and is and is to come. Because we know 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation, that's what they were crying. And 750 years before that in Isaiah, that's exactly what they were crying. They were doing the same thing 150 years before that in Ezekiel. Amen. And in the book of Job, they were on hand crying, worshiping God at the creation. So they've been doing it a long time. And their praise was great, and their praise is beautiful, and their praise is lovely. And God's worthy of it. And there are angels in this place right now. And friends come and go, but enemies accumulate. I'm your friend. But by their very nature of how they were created, almost as if because they they were holy they recognized him and they cried so it was rich and it was good and it was real it was almost kind of winding wind up-ish but one day iniquity was found in Lucifer and he did his thing and the clock starts ticking and God allows him to make his way. And when one third part of the angels have bought into Lucifer's deal, and their praise is not as robust as it was. And so they are cast down out of heaven. And they come to this place called earth. This is just me. What I'm about to say, I was not there, I don't know, it could be, it may not be, I'm just telling you what Booker thinks, what Booker thinks in five bucks will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks, okay, unless prices have gone up, and, and so here we are, uh, they come here, the Bible says, because they, was, they, they, they were chained, there were chains put on them, chains of darkness, they left that light, you don't want the light? You want darkness, you get darkness. And he chained them to that. That's the reason when Jesus walked the earth, they said, why have you come to torment us before the time? They know they're going to be tormented. Why don't they repent? They can't repent. Thou believest in one God, you do well. The devil also believes. If he don't do nothing about it, he can't change because he left the light and so he's chained to his darkness. 
And Revelation 12, 12 says, Woe to them of the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down having great wrath, knowing that he hath but a short time. That's our hours. And so here, here this, this devil is chained, and, and I believe this happened on earth. I think that's where they were. Amen. And, and so uh, personal opinion, this is just me. This, uh, five bucks will get you Starbucks, is, is I tend to think that world got destroyed. This is just my opinion, my humble opinion. I don't know. I wasn't there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was without form and void, darkness upon the face of the deep. The word was is haya, became, translated became 67 times, more times was. Chapter 2, verse 7, and man was, man became a living soul. Same word. I think that world got destroyed. And then God recreated it. What we really intend, I lean, is recreation. But I don't know. Whatever that man says, you listen to him. Because that's the deal. But I said all this just to say this. So he could have put him in hell right now. And what that would have proved to the two-thirds part of the angels is, is, don't mess with God. He's bigger and badder than the devil. And while that's true, it doesn't necessarily mean that God is right. He's just bigger and better. So God does this and then he forms man in his own image. And the angels are watching this. He's spoken everything else. He's spoken everything else. But now God's doing a new thing and he forms man. In his image. The Bible, Romans 5, 4, in the form of him that was to come. I personally wouldn't be surprised. I have no idea. Go buy a Starbucks. But not right now. But I wonder if the man Adam and the man Christ Jesus could not have been identical twins. I don't know. How old was Adam when he was formed? Well, he was newborn, but he just new created, but even possibly 30. That's when people come into fullness. And this hunk is there, this, this mannequin, eyes that are sightless. And God draws close and breathes into his nostrils. The angels are watching. And the eyes flutter. And the first conscious thought of man is God. That's right there. This is why people that work hard not to retain God in their knowledge get in so much trouble. God is a natural thing for man. And the Lord story short, we know man fell. Lucifer worked his wiles in the garden and the long sad saga of man we see unfolding even around us today. And you wonder why the devil fights God's people 
Some of you were fought to even get here tonight. And the reason is, is because there's nobody that condemns the devil worse than a child of the living God. Because the devil was created holy. He was created perfect. He was there. He worshiped God. And he left heaven. We've never seen God. We've never been to heaven. We were not created holy. We're conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity. Man comes out of the womb speaking lies. He's few a days and full of trouble. And the devil who left his first estate and was cast down to chains of darkness. Well, darkness is our first estate. But one day God found some bad pennies. And they said, you know what? I'm tired of this darkness. As for me and my house, I'm coming out of darkness into his marvelous light. Devil, you don't want to live for God? Well, I do. You don't want to go to heaven? Well, I do. You don't want to be right? Well, I do. You don't want to love God? Well, I do. You don't want to be thankful, but I do. And so God said, have you considered Job? He's perfect, unlike you. He's upright, unlike you. He fears me, unlike you. He hates evil. means he hates you. What do you think about that? And all the angels, dude, you got him. And I can see him doing the slow burn. Well, you got a hedge about him. You let me through that hedge. You think he praises you? You know why God hates our praises? I mean, why the devil hates our praises? Why God loves our praises? The devil hates our praises because he won't praise God anymore. And we say, then get out of the way. I will. Amen. You know why God loves our praises? Because how many times just today in this city alone has God been cursed and reviled and his name drugged through muck? Do you know what America's most favorite curse word has been for the last seven or eight years? The name of Jesus Christ. And we're not here using it and taking it in vain. We're here saying, we love you, Jesus. You know why angels are here tonight? You know why the Spirit of God is here tonight? Because they're out in bars, they're, 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 they're sitting there, they're cussing and cursing God. But when God comes into this house, we love him, we praise him, we worship him. We came out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we do it in spite of external. We're in a world, the whole world lies in wickedness. And internal. 
when you repented and got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, your souls were redeemed. When you obeyed the death, burial, and resurrection through the death of repentance, the burial with him and baptism in Jesus' name, and the resurrection whereby the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead comes to dwell in you through the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When we do that, your soul has been redeemed. Your spirit has been redeemed. However, we ourselves still grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. Our bodies have not been redeemed. That's why Paul said we have this treasure in this earthen vessel. I remember going shortcut to the first church I got baptized, got the Holy Ghost in. I remember shortcutting through the, it was a shortcut to my house through the cemetery. I was there one night at 10 p.m. after church. I got in the middle of that cemetery. And I said, God, I'm not leaving this spot until you change me. I'm tired of the temptations. I'm tired of the trials. I want to be changed. And I didn't know scripture enough to know what I was really saying. I want my new body, God. And so I was there at 1030. At 10, God, I want change. 1030, God, I want change. 11, God, I want change. 1130, God, I want change. Midnight, God, I want change. And the tombstones were growing. And the shadows were lengthening. And I said, okay, God, I guess we'll have to do this some other time. <laughs> and I went home. It was later when I was reading, I realized we groan within ourselves. We're waiting for that adoption. We're waiting for that redemption of our bodies. <laughs> so until then, we're in a world that lies in wickedness. We got more outward enemies. If you don't believe that, drive down a major street in this city and just look at the billboards. And then there's the internal enemies. We still get mad at people. We love them. I wish they'd shut up. <laughs> Praise the Lord, brother. I don't, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. Amen. But the devil got out of the God business in heaven. The devil got out of the God business when he didn't have no enemies. The devil got out of the God business when he was still just peachy. The devil got out of the, he left the light to go to the darkness. And we condemn him soundly because, no, 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 we got out of darkness into the light. And we're dragging this carcass with us. I'll be in church tonight regardless of what I feel like. I will worship God in spite of bad knees. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to love him. I may have to sit, but God, I'm going to love you. And that doesn't exactly make the devil happy, but it does something for the angels. 
And Michael and Gabriel said, these people are vindicating us. This is why, this is why Paul wrote and said he uses the church. He uses the church to teach principalities and powers in heavenly places. Things about the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God. We're teaching angels every day. When you worship God and you're tired, you're teaching angels. And you're not only teaching angels, you're condemning the devil. So, devil, where you been? Up and down, to and fro. Well, what do you think about Job? You let me add him, and I'll have him cuss you out to your face. And I can see the angels. And God said, all right. But you can't touch his body. And a smirk comes on his face. And he goes down. I've done this. I've done this in auditoriums this size. I could have, can you stand right here? But I could have somebody run through that door. Job, Job! The Sabines came. They killed all of your servants. They took all of your cattle. Job, Job, fire fell from heaven, destroyed all your flocks. Job, Job, the Chaldeans came, killed all your servants, took all of your camels, oxen, flocks. Job, Job, your children were in the house, and a wind came, killed all your servants and your sons and daughters. I could have them picture pointed right here. And they could be here, I could hold my watch, and they could all be in an auditorium this size within 60 seconds, all of them. And I'm here to tell you, one phone call has the power to turn our world upside down and inside out. And while Job is reeling, can you imagine? It's all bad enough. Your sons, your daughters. He doesn't realize on one side is an angelic host. They can't say nothing. They're not allowed. They're saying, he's still good, Job. God knows his business. Don't, don't, don't throw it away. Come on, stay in the God business. Don't let this drive you out of the God business. Come on. While the devil is without question whispering in his ear, what kind of a God would do that? What kind of a God would allow that? And so while he's reeling, and heaven and hell are waiting with bated breath, he shaves his head, he rends his garment, he says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord falls on his face and heaven rejoices and hell has a fit and the friends come we know the story they accuse they mock you're a sinner I'm not you're a hypocrite I'm not you're a liar and it goes on and on 
Now the devil has come back and said, God said, where you been, boy? Up and down, to and fro. Well, what do you think about Job? He fears God. He hates evil. Amen. And I'll tell you something else. He knows how to maintain his integrity, unlike some things I know. And so here we go. The boils, the problems. I'm almost done with Job, but do you understand? Somewhere in the midst of it, with the loss of possessions, the loss of children, the loss of servants, the loss of friends, the loss of his health, the loss of his esteem, the loss of his self-esteem, amen, somewhere he made up his mind, I'm sorry. There ain't nobody driving me out of the God business. God, if you kill me, I'm still going to trust you. And because he could not be driven out of the God business, a whirlwind came one day. God asked him 84 questions or five, depending on how you read it, of things he did not know, didn't understand, could not perform. He didn't have an answer for one thing, God said, except if I ever go through this again, I ain't going to say nothing about questioning you. I will put my hand on my mouth, and I'll suffer, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And when it was over, he had twice as many camels, twice as many asses, twice as many oxen, twice as many sheep. He had sons and daughters. He lived for another 140 years. Now, how many people do you think he helped? People sat down, Job, I need to talk to you. My wife got mad at me, and she, she was mean to me yesterday. I don't know if I can take it anymore. Give me a hand, brother. Hang in there, baby. Don't let nothing drive you out of the God business. It don't matter. It don't matter. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what anybody does. It doesn't matter how you feel. There ain't nothing going to drive us out of the God business. And little did he know that all these thousands, that's the first book ever penned in the Bible. First. Why that? Because he knew the devil and he knew humanity and he knew and he wanted to let it meet. Don't let nothing drive you out of the God business. Which is why Victor Hugo, who wrote La Miserable and other three other major tomes, over a billion people have seen the play La Miserable. He wrote a thousand poems and he drew 4,000 etchings. His funeral was the largest funeral in the history of France. Over a million people stood in line, you hear me, to walk by his coffin. And he was asked one time, Mr. Hugo, if every piece of literature on earth were to be destroyed and you could save only one piece of literature, what would you save? They thought he would say, La Miserable. He said, 
I would save the book of Job. Because somewhere, someplace, sometime, to some degree, everybody needs the book of Job. And what that boils down to is ain't nobody driving me out of the God business. No, 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 no. I'm hanging in there, baby. If your name is Joseph and your brethren hate you, they put you in a pit. The Ishmaelites fish you out. They sell you to the Midianites. They sell you to the Egyptians. They sell you to Potiphar. You become a slave. Potiphar's wife lies on you. You end up in prison. The butler forgets you. You make up your mind. Well, while I'm in prison, I'm going to have the cleanest cell in prison. And after a while, the keeper says, good grief. This is Booker Interpolation. Your cell's cleaner than my office. You, you, you want to come? You know what? I'm so glad I had COVID. I can do this all day long. He said, your cell's cleaner than my office. Don't you see what you can do for my office? Yes, sir. Be happy to. Warden comes in. Whoa, dude. What happened to your office? Well, we got a prisoner out there named, named Joseph. Walk down there. Look to the right. 44, 44th cell on the right. Whoa. Everything else is a pigsty. There ain't no Harold the Rat in there. What's your name? Joseph, sir. Don't go through life with chips on your shoulders. Joseph, sir. I like your cell. There's a lot of them. I like what you did for the guy's office. Think you could work on my office? If you'd like, I'd be happy to. The end of that story the, comes to the place the Bible says, whatsoever was done in that prison, he was the doer of it. And this tells you the power of a positive mind that says, ain't nothing driving me out of the God business. No, no, no. I've done a lot of prison work. We've preached in prisons. I've preached in local jails. I've preached in county jails. I've preached in fed prisons. And I've preached in state. I preached in the largest at that time prison on earth, California men's colony. I've preached to Tex Watson. That was Charles Manson's butcher. I preached to Hollywood Henderson. Drugs got him. I preached to a lot of guys. I've been to a lot of prisons. But can I tell you something? I've never one time went to a prison and if I saw two guys sitting there with a sad look on their face, said, what's wrong? Why are you so sad today? Because they would say, has anybody told you this isn't Disneyland? What are you doing asking somebody in a prison why they're sad? But his spirit was so powerful. His attitude was so upbeat. Nobody's driving him out of the God business. Nobody's taking a smile off his face. Nobody's taking a song out of his heart. No, 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 no. My God's still good. My God's still great. My God's still mighty. And when they say, well, we had these dreams, and he interprets the dreams. And one guy's hung, and the other guy gets to go back to Pharaoh. He says, don't forget me. Forget you. I could never forget you. Oh, Joseph, he's 
He's cleaning himself up. Second day, starting to scrub out his rags. Third day, third week, two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. Nobody can interpret it. And the butler said, I forgot a guy. I know somebody. And when the sun came up, he was a prisoner in a jail cell. And when the sun set, he was the second most powerful man in the strongest nation on earth. Don't get out of the God business. No, 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 no. Don't let anything. If your name is Simon Peter and you found yourself fussing with fellow disciples, you got a sick mother-in-law, you got foot and mouth disease, even the Lord's called you Satan, get behind me, you devil! And then one night in an upper room, you say, I'll never, I'll never leave you. I'll go to prison with you. I'll go to death with you. And he says, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And then when you read it in the book of Mark, they're not in the upper room. They're in the garden. He brings it back up again. And he, he reiterates, I will never deny you. And then he says, before the cock crows twice. You'll deny me three times. What's this twice business? That first crow from some rooster somewhere was probably not as loud. It was a warning crow. He's denying him. He's on his second denial. And in the background, God's trying to say, hey, boy, listen. Don't keep going. You really don't want to get out of the God business. And then the maiden comes up and says, I know you, you're a Galilean. I saw you. And now he said he's given verbiage, vile, wicked, cursing, blasphemous. I'm telling you, I don't know him. And nobody's looking at him. They're looking over his shoulder. A guy being led down the outer veranda who has stopped. His face is ripped up. He's got a crown of thorns beaten to his brow. He's already been beaten once, fixing to be beaten again. And he turns. And Jesus has heard him cussing. And they both hear. And they shoved Jesus on down for the crucifixion. And let me tell you something. Sometimes, and I have no doubt there's someone, loved ones, under the sound of my voice. You say, but God was good to me. He saved me. I'm back. But I left God for a while and I did, I did some stuff that I'm in church now, but I feel haunted. 
Well, let me ask you something. How many times and how long was it that Simon would be sound asleep and all of a sudden in the nearby sound, and he'd wake up with cold chills, his blood had turned ice. Oh, God, no, no. year ago that was that was that was two years ago it's not that way now I'm living for God amen it don't matter what 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 happened I'm here to tell you if you're still here you say no 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 I'm not getting out of the God business no 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 it doesn't matter God I love you I know I blew it but I love you Nobody going to get me out of the God business. The world has seen a lot of businesses come and go. There are people under the sound of my voice. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And there's people under the sound of my voice. You have no idea what I'm talking about. How many remember, raise your hands if you remember Montgomery Wards. Okay, put your hands down. Everybody that has no idea what Montgomery Wards is, raise your hand. At one time, Montgomery Wards was one of the biggest retailers on the block. They were all over America. They were large stores. They were like Sears in its heyday. How many remember when Sears was in its heyday? Sears stock is now penny stock today. How many of you know what a Studebaker is? At one time, they were everywhere. I remember Studebakers. I remember Oldsmobiles, big time. They're gone. Kmart's are on their last leg. JCPenney is almost over. If the Lord tarries, listen to me. You may not believe this right now. I remember my wife working, working for Sears, and they were the big dog on the block. I said, Brenda, someday Sears will be nothing. She said, how can you say that? They got the tallest tower in Chicago. I said, there'll be nothing. It's the law, second law of thermodynamics. They will go down. And today it's penny stock. Someday, I know it's hard to believe, it'll be Walmart. The Lord tarries. Someday it'll be Amazon. The Lord tarries. Someday it'll be the U.S. government. Someday it'll be Russia. Someday it'll be China. I think I can prove all three of those. But I'm going to tell you some place that's not going out of business. It may look like it will for a while. Israel ain't going out of business. And the reason they're not is because Jesus ain't going to let them go out of business. Just about the time they're ready to put up the closed forever sign, he's going to come back. Guess who's coming back with him? We are. Because there's another thing that's not going out of business. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We're not getting out of the God business. We're going to go. We're going to grow. We're going to do it all. There ain't nobody driving us out of the God business. The Apostle Paul said this is the way it is. For a while, nobody even believed that he was a disciple. He had labors more abundant, stripes above measure. Think about this. 
prisons more frequent than anybody of the, the apostles. He faced death oftentimes. Five times of the Jews he received 40 stripes, saved one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. A day and a night he spent in the deep, floating around without a vest. He was in journeyings, often perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of his own countrymen, perils of heathen, perils of the city, perils of the wilderness, perils of the sea, perils of false brethren. He knew what it was to be in weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hungry and thirsty and cold and naked. And besides all that was the things that came on him daily, the care of all the churches. And what was his reaction? He said, none of these things move me. Ain't nothing driving me out of the God business. I don't count my life dear. I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to do it with joy. Because there ain't nothing driving me out of the God business. I'm closer to being done than you think. I did a study, Brother Williams, on Eastern religions. Because my father, when he came back from Korea, he picked up a lot of the books. And he read Eastern, he wasn't a practicing Eastern religionist, but he knew it. He knew, this, he knew the jargon. I didn't know anything about God. We'd sit up sometimes till 2 in the morning discussing this stuff. And uh, so I got in church and came into the truth. Received the Holy Ghost, became a worshiper in spirit and truth, true worshiper. And I began to study some of those Eastern religions. I read something of the Hindu religion that shocked me. They said... That all disappointment is based on ego. And I had a hard time refuting that. Until I did realize we all know what it is to be horridly, tear-jerkingly disappointed over something that happens to a friend of ours. It has nothing to do with our ego. So there's an exception to that. But I'm going to tell you what. You live for God, you know what it is to face disappointments. I knew a situation that arose. My son Joel called me. He gave me some news. It was a disappointment from somebody that I had faithfully, consistently helped When he called me back, I was laughing. I was cracking up laughing. I was driving down the road laughing. He said, Dad, what you laughing at? I said, the Hindus were right again. <laughs> I realized, Booker, it's your ego that's eating you up. And I started laughing. Forget ego. Don't let ego drive you out of the God business. Don't let disappointment drive you out of the God business. I'll tell you something else. Don't let sorrow drive you out of the God business. Don't let pain drive you out of the God business. Don't let rejection or trials or traumas or sickness or poverty or fame or success or education or friends or family or in-laws or outlaws or children or parents, bosses, employees, saints, preachers. Don't let anybody drive you out of the God business. Don't let government drive you out of the God business. 
And speaking of government, I'm not here to make anybody a Republican or a Democrat. We're here to make you a one God, Jesus named citizen of the kingdom of God. Now, I highly recommend you don't vote stupid, but that's fine. Don't let personal success or failure drive you out of the God business. Now, there are some businesses I want to be driven out of. I want the musicians to come. God, drive me out of the stupid business. Drive me out of the petty business. Drive me out of the selfish business. Drive me out of the carnality business. Drive me out of the insecurity business. Drive me out of the hateful, small thinking, judgmental, faithless, amen, business. Drive me out of the silliness business. But never. Nothing going to drive us out of the God business. Paul said, who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, as is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep as a slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. There ain't nothing driving me out of the God business. So I'm persuaded. Not death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing ever created shall separate us from the love of God. Now, you may be seated. I'm almost done. Seriously, just go ahead and be seated. I got something I got to do. You hear me? We're all bad pennies. But we've decided there ain't nothing driving us out of the God business. We've been found. Brian, I signed your Bible tonight. Where are you, Brian? Come up here, Brian. I signed your Bible tonight. I'm not, he just said he just said he just recently went through something. He said he was helped this morning. I know that was the first trial you ever had in your life, wasn't it? <laughs> Brian, there's nothing capable of driving you out of the God business. I'm gonna tell you why. tell you something, you're covered with the blood. Mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Don't leave mercy and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will never forget 
Brother Williams years ago. I was at Brother Terry, I.H. Terry's house. I talked about him today. We were sitting in his house. He said, Booker, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you live what you preach? He said, come on, do you or not? I said, Brother Terry, I promise you I do my best. I try to live what I preach. So you live it. I, I do my best, I'm telling you. Do you think the Apostle Paul lived what he preached? I said, I believe he did his dead level best. He said, did and does Jesus live what he preached? I said, of course he does. He said, he lives what he preaches. I said, yes. He said, well, one day the disciples came to him, and they were feeling exceptionally spiritual, or they had just been fussing. And one of them said, show you how spiritual I am. Jesus, if my brother offend me, shall I forgive him seven times? Now we snicker at that because we, we know the rest of the story, most of us. How many of you here have been done dirty by someone seven times and you weren't ready to throw them over Niagara Falls? You think they're reprobate after five. So the spiritual giant said, seven times? Jesus said, try 70 times seven. And another place, in a day. So multiply that out by 365. And he said, Booker, does he live what he preaches? I said, yes. He said, that's why I'm going to heaven. Because if I repent, and I mean it, he told me to forgive others 70 times 7. He's going to, he means what he says, he says what he means, and he will forgive me. about this for years and I've preached it, but this is what I realized. If somebody offends you, you have to forgive them from your heart. So to forgive from your heart also means you need to say you're sorry from your heart. And so for God to forgive you 70 times 7 in a day, you have to mean it. I really am sorry. Okay. Now, so you've got mercy. Hey, what else you got? You got the blood on you. You got mercy. Hold this to your chest. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He gives you his word. Amen. He puts grace upon you to give you strength. Hallelujah. So it's blood and mercy. It's grace. It's truth. Hallelujah. If you'll repent from your heart, he forgives you. He forgives you. That's not all he gives you. I want all those that are on ministerial staff in this church, please stand. 
If you're on ministerial staff, okay? You that are on ministerial staff, ministry, come up here and stand around this man. Or stand behind this man. I'll tell you what else he does because he loves you. And, and Pastor Williams, you be by his right hand. You be right here. He gives you his blood, his mercy, his grace, his word, hallelujah. And he gives you apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry to keep you. He got, you got the word, you got ministry, you got his blood, you got grace, you got mercy. Okay? I want five men in this church, big men. That means tall or big. Please stand. If you're in this church, stand. Big. Good for you, buddy. Somebody else, come on. You in this church? Come on. Come on, big guys. One, two, three, four. Need one more. Come on, brother. Come on up here. These, where's Claude? Come on, Claude. Got time to come off of the restroom break, praise God. Just teasing. Now these guys are angels. You've got ministry. There's an innumerable company of angels. You've got the blood. You've got mercy. You've got his word. You can goof up. 70 times 7 today, if you mean it, God will forgive you. I'm here to tell you, ain't nobody going to get us out of the God business. <laughs> Brother Organist, please come forth hither. Anybody that can worship like you worship, you deserve to be a judge. Now, brethren, angels, ministry, and Brian, come here, face this way, come with him, be with him and protect him everywhere he goes, come on. And brother, you told me your first name, come here, you told me your first name this morning and it slips my mind. Leon, Leon, stand up here. Right there. I want everybody to see you. I want you to give Brian your meanest scowl possible. I mean, like this dude's in trouble. You hear me? He's he's been he's been dumb, and you are his judge. I mean, lay it on him. Ugh. Yeah. Trust me, he's mad. This is your judge, dude. Close your eyes. You got a judge. He's bad to the bone. If you don't believe he's a bad judge, you ask Ahab and Jezebel what this judge can do. If you don't believe he's a tough judge, you ask Pharaoh and his army 
what this judge can do. You don't think he's a bad judge? You ask King Herod if he's a bad judge. I'm telling you, don't fool with this judge. He's bad to the bone if you get on his wrong side. You hear me? But we have found you a defense attorney. He is bad to the bone. You hear me? This defense attorney has never lost one case in his life. facing a bad judge it's tough but we have found the best defense attorney in the universe meet your defense attorney that means open your eyes that's your defense attorney your judge has become your advocate and folks we can all stand let's all stand this ain't even Louisiana. This is the kingdom of God. Yes. Brian, there ain't nothing going to drag you out of the God business. You, have, you got the blood. You got grace. You got mercy. You got the word. You got ministry. You got angels. You got the best attorney. He's your judge and he's your attorney. I'm telling you, there ain't nothing going to drag us out of the God business. And not only that, he's a bad-to-the-bone organist. Face this audience. Stand out in front, Brian. I preached a while, but I'm done. Don't leave him now. He, needs, he still needs help. And you've got brothers and sisters in the kingdom. They love you. They pray for you. They'll fight for you. You understand? And we've made up our mind. By the way, I knew I was going to preach this before you came up and complimented me tonight. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, we can't lose with this. What happens is, we also need some bad-to-the-bone singers. We need some bad-to-the-bone singers up here. I don't see we need all of them. Give us about 10 of them or whatever. Did you sing before? Come on, come on. That's it, that's it, that's it. Run. Hey, everybody. Jesus found bad pennies. And when he found us, he's going to keep us. Hallelujah. And we just say, God, there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing going to drive me out of the God business. I started, and by the grace of God, I'm going to finish. I'm persuaded that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day. And this God, if you're in this house and you're not saved tonight, you don't know what it is. Repent of your sins. To be buried for those sins in baptism in the name of Jesus. And to resurrect as Jesus resurrected. 
the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead will come and live in you and resurrect you to a new walk in God, a new way of sweet life. This service is for you. Saints of God, this service is for you. Brothers and sisters, this service is for you. Mom and dad, this service is for you. Son and daughter, this service is for you. Young man, young lady, this service is for you. And if you want to just in your own way, come down and tell God, I ain't going nowhere. You're stuck with me. Hallelujah. If you want to find him, you can find him tonight. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. And we're going to determine there ain't nothing ever going to drive me out of the God business by the grace of God. Can't no devil in hell hold me down. I've got to go Tonight, no devil in hell. Oh, got to go. 